You're listening to The Restaurant Grind, the podcast of small business restaurant tours. My name is Sean Danko. I am the owner of Kooky Canuck. We're just a small family business, two restaurants here in Memphis. Our menu is Southern-inspired, Canadian, Canadian influence, Canadian twist. With the Canadian twist. And um, yeah, we, it's been a great run. Memphis has been very kind to us. So with your story from Canada to Memphis... Where did that begin? Yeah, Canada to Memphis was an, it was a very quick story because I picked up the phone one day and I was I was helping out in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina for Hard Rock. So working with Hard Rock Cafe, I was technically still the general manager in Montreal at the time <laughs> and uh, was helping Myrtle Beach out because they go from zero to 100 awfully fast. Yep. And uh, so I was in Myrtle Beach and the phone rang and my boss says, Memphis. <laughs> So I'll, I'll oh, call you, you came here with Hard Rock Memphis. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So you've been here since when? 2000. Early 2000, yeah. Yeah, right in 2000. It was August 2000. El- they take over the Elvis Presley Enterprises spot when they moved here? Or is no. that next door? It was, it was still open at that time, right? The old Elvis restaurant? It was still yeah. going. Yeah, it was yeah. Elvis Presley's when yeah. I first got here. Yep. Um, but it was in that building where Tin Roof is now currently. Yep. So yep. I got here in 2000 in August and came with Hard Rock and sight unseen. I, I was, Memphis, okay, uh, here we go. I jumped on a flight from South Carolina to Memphis with a suitcase, and that was it. I showed up, and here we go. It was 108 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> people, Just, are, people are apologizing to me. It's so funny. It was like people are apologizing. Like, oh, we're very sorry for the weather. The weather here is terrible <laughs> is so, for five months. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, it hasn't rained in like a week or so. This yeah. is outstanding. Yeah. You know, it's great. No, the heat. The heat I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. But it's yeah. here for a while. So. <laughs> so early 2000s with Hard Rock here in Memphis. When did the Cookie Canuck formation start? From 2000, 2003, working at Hard Rock and then left Hard Rock to work on some other endeavors. And then we've, we really, my wife and I were sitting down and we talked about it before I, when I was still with the restaurant at Hard Rock. Talking about like if we were going to do something, what would it look like? How would it sound? How would it feel? How would it look? And we, we were talking about it for quite some time. And we originally were going to go, you know, I think more upscale is what we talked about back then. But I think the, the niche for downtown was that there wasn't a lot. There was, there was Huey's that was there. That was a Memphis institution. And, you know, I think there was more room in that, in that market in that market level to do something. So we decided to scale it back down a little bit. Automatic Slims was probably there. Automatic Slims. Automatic Slims yeah. was, in, yeah, in the heyday. Yeah. That was going. You had trying to think, sli- yeah. Sleep Out Louis. Sleep Out Louis, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was trying to think, I was working downtown, then thinking about restaurants, and I remember that, you know, there wasn't a lot of choices. No. There wasn't a lot of choices, you know, and it was pretty slim pickings when you came downtown. But even, you know, when Grizzlies first started up, it was like, there was no impact back then for Grizzlies. It was like, hey, there's going to be a Grizzly game. We we're like, okay, yeah, same, you know, same. business as usual. Yeah, yeah. And then you know, things slowly ramped up over time. But uh, yeah, I you know came to Memphis and we we decided to work on our own concept. And I think it was time after 13 years with Hard Rock. It was yeah. like Hard Rock was an outstanding institution. Um, I learned a significant amount of it about the business and about the details of the business uh, from the number side, from the development side, from the R&D side, and very thankful for that experience. The 13 years with them was, was an amazing deal. And as a Canadian, it was incredible because I got to do so much in the United States, which was not a very, didn't happen often for mm-hmm. Canadians, you know? So we got to spend time in, uh, whether it was in New York or in Florida, 
um, it was it was a it special was booming time. there for the hard rock event in the ninety late nineties, and they were popping up everywhere. The, they were starting to peak uh, across the country. Of course, New York and L.A. were the the two big ones in the United States first. Then, of course, you had Dallas and Chicago as well. So you had those major, major cities. And those those were legendary places. Yeah. They were legendary. So it was, it was great to be a part of that. I remember, man, you got to have a Hard Rock T-shirt from wherever <laughs> you went. It's part of the deal. So were you in restaurants before Hard Rock? Yeah, I was. Grow uh, up in it? Yeah, well, my parents had a cafe in, Mon- in uh, Toronto. Yeah. Uh, we moved from Montreal to Toronto. My dad opened up a cafe with my mom. Uh, and then they opened up a second one. So I was around it. You've always been in the business, basically. Yeah, my uncle had a bar in, in the heart of downtown Montreal. And then he, he opened up a bigger place uh, with a partner of his out in the uh, western part of Montreal on the island. Mm. And so I was always around it. And it was like, you know, my grandmother was like, hey, you know, you, you really got to think about doing something, <laughs> you know, more, substanti- more substantive. And uh, uh, my grandmother pushed me to go, to go to school and went to University of Concordia in Montreal. And... Uh, Culinary school or no? I didn't do culinary. Business? No, my my grandparents put me through culinary school. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they, that was that was the culinary school between yeah, a Hungarian grandmother and and uh, you know a Bermudian grandmother. That makes perfect sense that you serve poutine and yeah. big burgers. <laughs> of course, of course. But yeah, so I went to I went to school and I did product and package design at uh, Concordia. Oh, cool. And uh, then was working part time at the Hard Rock to to get myself through school, and then that became. Full you know, time. a full-time, a full-time position. So it went from hourly to salary and grew from manager to assistant general manager to GM and uh, did the whole gambit through Hard Rock. And Great learning experience for it sure. Was. Yeah, it was. Cookie Cooking Up downtown 2005. When did the process start for our second location? Yeah, we were, we were pretty, you know, out of the gates. We were ambitious. We wanted to do more. And, you know, we were looking really heavily in the city uh, of Memphis, and then we were looking in Nashville also in 2008, and then the financial crisis hit 2008, 2009, and, you know, money was pretty hard to come by, and, you know, we needed that, obviously, to move forward, and so plans kind of settled down. We took took us a while to get stable after that, and then really say, okay, we're ready to do number two. And and we chose Cordova because it was like, okay, it works in a downtown market. Does it work in a, in a suburban market? And that was kind of the, the mm-hmm. thought process behind that. So 2014 is when we, uh, we opened that. So it's a relatively long, long yeah. period of time, you know, by the time we got that one going. But uh, yeah, two, two uh, definitely a challenge in, in the restaurant world. Um, you know, the economy of scale is bigger, but it's still not big enough to <laughs> where you can, you know, add more bodies into the mix. So there's a lot of heavy lifting to do uh, from, from the ownership side. Yeah, going from one to two is always a, it's like, the things you've done in your first one that you maybe learned that you shouldn't have done, or even like the building of your team. I'm assuming a lot of your initial hires were people you knew or you had relationships with, and then you get to number two, and you're like, okay, my 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 bench is getting a little thin. So, what were some of the challenges when you went from one to two? The challenges is that so much of the business for me uh, with Kuki Canuck was was me. Right. So you were the brand. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there was there was a lot of that. So how do you balance that into two locations? It's very difficult. Also, the team that I'd had downtown was I'd had for a while, nine Mm -hmm. years, 10 years, 11 years. And starting a new team fresh, obviously, there, you got to regain trust. You got to regain buy-in. You got to get people, in, you know, into your brand and getting to understand it and what it means. 
So the challenges are, are duplicating that, that second one um, and then finding the right people in which to perpetuate what you've, uh, what you've put forward all those previous years. Did you take some of your people from downtown mm-hmm. for training, but also long-term? Yeah, long-term. We had some people that live closer to the Cordova area so that they moved out and they were happy with that because it made sense for them. From Saves a travel them 50 pers- bucks a week in yeah. gas. Yeah. yeah, well, there's no, yeah, you know, and parking too yeah, for parking, downtown. Yeah, parking, yeah. Parking downtown was a pain, but uh, no, we moved a lot of people out there. Some people stayed out there. Um, our GM from downtown, we kind of moved him over both units, kind of overseeing, and he was very helpful. Terry Trim, who's still yeah, in the business yeah. here in, in Memphis, and he was very helpful in, in helping us uh, get that second one. Yeah, going. we've We've had a number of clients. It, it, you you went through the challenge when you went from one to two, and you were, and you were exploring Nashville. That we always tell people. Like I said, yeah, in the same market, sometimes is extremely hard. Going to a new market is a whole new ball game because you your relationship with vendors, your relationship with teammates, and ability can have consistency of brand. So like as you're exploring Nashville, that was we've seen some of our clients historically. Mm-hmm. That's a new ball game because you have to think through how your brand is consistently done when you're not always there. And like you said, if you're the brand, which I get that a lot. I mean, a lot of the restaurants have the owner is really kind of the brand. I mean, I, I think of like DJ over mm-hmm. at Bog and Barley. For sure. How, how did he go from one to two? He's in both places. I don't know how he does it. But similar logic, right? It's like, hey, it's kind of part of him is the brand. And so I can see that being a challenge. Um do you have still have plans to maybe look at other locations or what's Yeah, I don't know. I think the the restaurant business has fundamentally changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could say it, there was a shift prior to COVID and COVID exacerbated that shift and I think if you look at staffing levels in 2018-2019, we were already seeing stress in that realm of of people and personnel. Finding people hard. People. It was already difficult, like starting to be difficult, 18, 19, and you were looking, you know, talk about minimum wage, like you couldn't put anybody in your restaurant in minimum no. wage in 2018 and 2019. So you're already having to pay people significantly more in, at yeah. that point in time. COVID comes along and just, it blows it up. <laughs> Lights it on fire. <laughs> Lights it on fire. And uh, so I don't know, like I, I am... I'm pessimistic, optimistic about the business because I think there's still more challenges to come, you know. Um, you know, people will tell you, well, COVID's over, and it's like, well, the effects are still Lingers. with us. Yeah, because yeah, labor lingering. hasn't gone back down. No. No, uh, and s- supply. Cost, supply chain's still expensive. I mean, everything's up. Supply chain's up in terms of cost, but also availability, yeah. too. You're still having sourcing issues, um, product that's not available on a regular basis and it's all across the board I and mean, yeah. it's just everything everything whether it's paper goods whether it's chemicals or whether it's you know a particular item on your menu so that you know there's those challenges have made an already difficult business extremely difficult and i think you're starting to see you know things shake out in terms of who the really good operators are and who the mediocre ones are very um, much so because there was a lot of free money floating around and people felt pretty comfortable and during that period. And as things, you know, start to fade away, it's like, what's left, what's left. And And how well did you, we've seen this too a lot, which is how much have we preserved capital when we got it? We, did we, did we really waste money that we shouldn't have on stuff that didn't really help, help my business in the long run? I've had a lot of our, you know, clients and non-clients who spent that money on either, you know, remodel or expansion or another location. You're like, I'm not sure that was the best 
course of action at that time. It probably have been better to keep that in the back pocket for a little bit while. Yeah, I think so too. I think the people that were overly ambitious with that cash uh, definitely got bit in the derriere on that one. Yep. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a very difficult period. People are trying to, the, the whole, um, prime cost, if you talk yep. about prime yep. cost, right, your cost of goods plus your labor, you know, shouldn't be more than 65% of every dollar, right? Well, when you're, when your back of house labor line goes up by 50% and your cost of goods line goes up by about 10, yep. 20, 25%. You only can raise prices so much. <laughs> well, I think it's a multi-prong. It's not just, Hey, we're going to go from nine ninety nine to twelve ninety nine, and that may fix temporarily until they raise the price. Of until they raise again, and <laughs> yeah. you're like, ah, oh, when this is constantly going. So now you have to like, the menu starts to evolve, and can you keep within the brand too, right? right? <laughs> so you got to be able to evolve the menu to put some lower cost items on there that will still generate some some good revenue, yeah, um, but still keep it within the brand, yeah. And that's the challenge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hey, if you're a, a burger bar selling a forty five dollar burger, it's kind of hard, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think, you know, like steakhouses get yeah. away with $25 burgers. So it's a yeah. steakhouse, right? right? So it's still a cheaper alternative than a, a $60 steak. Yeah. Um, but when, you know, your, your top menu menu is 50, 50 bucks and your burger is 40 bucks, it's not really making much difference. Right. Yeah. Correct. So, I, you know, expansion, I, I am very bare on, on expansion at this point because I still think there's a lot of shakeout left to come. I agree. This is my own opinion just from looking outside, looking in. It's, it's time to get my current restaurants running smooth and better and tweaking those out and, and squeezing the profits out that way as opposed to expansion right now. I mean, there's going to be a bunch of space available eventually that mm-hmm. might make it encouraging for people to wait out you know, the market a little bit. But at the same time, I think you're on the right track there. What are you guys doing right now to help hiring what's your hiring process look like to get you know what are you looking on to improving on that what's that look like yes you got to be very quick in hiring now so this is not a long drawn out process it's not like come back next week we have a second interview come back next week maybe we do a a training no like you got to make decisions very very quickly so you got to get attuned to asking better questions uh doing your uh resume check without fail. Um, and then, you know, you're going to have to make some gut shots here. Like you're going to have to take a chance. Like if higher, higher, quick, fire, quick right now, it's, it's more higher, quick, not necessarily fire quick because you're like, okay, maybe we can work through this. Yeah. Maybe, you know, it's like three reasons for failure. Don't know, can't do, and don't care. Like if it's the don't know, and can't do you can train like you you yeah. still have some people are getting way more way more chances than they would have ever had previous and i don't think it's like we're just looking at it in a different perspective and it's like we're trying to find the best out of somebody and you just sometimes it's just not a traditional approach you got to go at it in a different way um so we do spend a little bit more time on the training we do spend a little bit more time on the one-on-ones and making sure we're actually doing everything we possibly can to ensure that people are, you know, have what it takes to be able to succeed within the business. But if it's don't care, uh, I can't help you. I, care. I, can't, I can't help. On our world, it's you know you have to have desire to want to learn and trying to figure some stuff out and be passionate about you know what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in your restaurant. I can't imagine it's any different. And you know. It, 
you can't teach that. No, <laughs> you just can't. But I think the, there's been a, a broad spectrum overview of like, well, people just don't want to work. People just don't want to work. And I would say that's there's some element of that, but I don't I don't think that is all of it because if you look at uh, some of the people that we've hired in the last several years, um, there's probably those folks that we didn't typically look at um, previous. And what I mean by that is that people are that are in work programs that are in rehab programs that are trying to make, they're trying to second chances, right? Yeah. They're trying to make their life better. They just need a chance. And they need to know maybe some guidance on how to make it better. Yeah. They just need people to know that they're like side by side. Like I got you. Okay. That's awesome. Like we're going to work through this together. I understand this may be new for you, but look, you're a superhuman being and we just want to make you, you know, make you a part of the team. That's awesome. It's a much different perspective than ever before. I can't speak for everybody, but for us, we are more heavily invested in our in our staff and our team than we ever have been before. Like long term people that make things a lot better, and so the, the more we can develop them and keep them, the better we're going to be as an organization. And agreed, like they're going to go through some really bumps. They're going to go bumps and grinds through their life, and you're there, like you're there for them to help them. It's not just a cut yep. them loose quick. Like, hey, we got to be able to deal with it, you know, and help them through it. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by the Memphis Restaurant Association, the Mid-South's key advocate for restaurant owners, managers, and employees alike, promoting the best dining experiences Memphis has to offer. Business owners, do you have a clear picture of where all your money is? Are your taxes getting taken care of on time? Clarity and consistency are key when it comes to getting the most out of your books. With detailed monthly financials and ongoing advisory services, Patrick Accounting is here to help you make more money and keep more of it. Learn more at patrickaccounting.com. Other than hiring, what else has uh, been going on in the restaurant that's uh, challenging or what you're working on? You know, pricing is still very difficult when you look at potatoes that used to be seven dollars a case and then last year we saw a case of potatoes at 50 pounds go hit as high as some cases as a hundred dollars a case a hundred dollars makes um, it hard to make fries. fresh fries <laughs> yeah and you you know when you're buying you know a hundred hundred cases a week it, you guys sell a lot of poutine right <laughs> we sell a lot of a lot of potatoes man and, and so that's it, not a small portion you put on those plates <laughs> no it's like 12 you know 12 ounces 14 ounces of french fries so it's it's legit like you got but you got to deal with it you know and i still you have to like no i'm not going to a frozen french fry because it's still cheaper than a yeah. than a frozen french fry um so the the pricing nuances are still there the marketing side has changed a little bit too um, traditional contemporary media, media. I, I think it plays a role, but you know, when you, it doesn't carry the biggest bang for the buck, uh, anymore, you got to work different angles with it. Facebook, you know, when we first started in 2005, I could drive, uh, I could fill the restaurant in, in under 24 hours with Facebook. And of course that just has changed, has changed. It's a pay to play scheme, right? Yeah. So social media is completely pay to play that if you think you're yeah. going to get on social media and you're going to get thousands and thousands of followers and they're going to come in here like it's not going to happen because it's so restrictive you know they just funnel everything through a smaller and they make a billion system. dollars for a reason right <laughs> exactly <laughs> so right those places were pretty smart they figured it out get you hooked and then charge a bunch of money for get eyeballs on it agreed so agreed. what are you guys doing on the marketing side right now yeah well i i spent more time in reviews 
So uh, answering people's reviews, mm-hmm. and my goal is 100% answer rate. Good, bad, ugly, indifferent, you're answering every single one of them because every review is a marketing opportunity, yep. okay? A, it's a chance to recapture business that you might have lost um, and then retain business that you know is really important, getting those people coming back into your business. But from an SEO side, search engine optimization, you know, I think if you talk to most restaurant people, they're like, I don't really, that doesn't really mean anything to me. And I would, seeing more that I've seen in the last several years, I think it makes a big difference. Um, a point in case would be like, okay, Cookie Canuck comes up and we are listed as the best cookie <laughs> in Tennessee. That's skillet. I'm like, well, hell yeah. yeah that's that's great. great. Yeah. I mean, phenomenal. Where did it come from? Like, how did this, and you're like, how how did this come about? And then I start to really deep dive on it and think about it. And it's like every review I answer with, did you get a deep dish chocolate chip cookie? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you get one? Did you have it? If if it was great, awesome. If you didn't come back and have one, that is the, the number one reoccurring word in all my reviews. Because you say it. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you say it. But it's yeah. also huge for and cookie, all of a sudden you're know. like, oh, we're the number one cookie. You're like, all right. No. Hey, I'm not I'm not saying that that was the only like, Yeah. But it doesn't hurt. It. <laughs> it doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. You know, you got to play the game. You just, you have to play the game. You could say, well, I'm not doing it. I don't want to spend the time to do it. And I think, you know, you're selling yourself short if you don't, right? I love watching the bad reviews get answered by the owner. Hey man, I'm sorry you had a bad experience, but I'd love to have you have another chance. Or, you know, yeah, we, we had a bad night. Come back and check again. It, stuff happens, right? We're we're all small business owners, you mm-hmm. know. But um, how are you promoting getting the review the reviews? So I do a little handout card, and uh, it's got room for the server or bartender to write their name on the card and say, hey, you know what? If you, if you liked what you what you had today, give it with a ticket. Th- we'd love to hear about your feedback. Good, bad, and different. Whatever. Yeah. Here you go. That's great. So you definitely have to ask. You, you have to ask for reviews. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that you're paying for reviews. That's bad. Anybody yeah. that goes out and pays for reviews or tries to really force reviews, you'll find out quickly that the algorithm is a lot smarter than you. And, and it'll <laughs> it smack you. It out. Yeah. It'll, it'll come back and smack you right on the, right on the hand and let you know that like, that's not a good idea. We've seen a lot of our web traffic go up just as we keep encouraging reviews. Getting those reviews, obviously, I really do want the feedback. I really mm-hmm. would, if it's bad, please tell me. You know, I want to make it right and fixed and good. Yeah. But I think that's the same. It's just how do you keep getting in front of them without being annoying, but mm-hmm. at the same time going, I really want the candid feedback. <laughs> if it's bad, let me know. Tell me. Yeah. Yeah, I think we'd all like the, the opportunity too. I think from, you know, if there was anything I could suggest to to our to our guests that coming in on a regular basis, man, it's like, hey, if there's something wrong. Tell us today. Yeah. Tell us now. I'll yeah. fix it for you right now. Right. Before you leave, like we're gonna make it right, and I don't want you to have to go home, be upset, and then you're like, now. And then you tell I'm, your friend, but don't tell yeah. us. That doesn't help me at all. <laughs> it doesn't help at all, right? <laughs> it didn't help you yeah. get a get your steak cooked correctly, yeah. and it doesn't doesn't help me coach my team to make sure that we right. that we don't do that again. So. So you've been in the restaurant business now with Cookie Nut for like 18 years. How and when did you get connected with the MRA? Yeah, the Restaurant Association um, back, I got involved when Thomas Boggs was still with us. And he was the the person that drew me into the mix. 
And I think I learned very quickly that it's like if you're not advocating for yourself and for your business uh, or for your industry, nobody else is going to yeah, do it, it right? So we can all sit back and we can all complain and we go, oh, God, you know, this law is terrible. I wish, you know, this should change. And nothing's ever going to change if you don't do it yourself. Like, yeah, if you don't, go don't th- bitch. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? So I can, never, I can never go out there and complain about something. And that's really, like I can never complain about something if I'm not going to get involved. If I'm not going to get involved and make a difference, then I might as well just shut up because I, I can't expect you or anybody Anything. else to, to fight my battles for me. Yep. Um, so being involved with the Restaurant Association has always been, for me, the advocacy level is really speaking up for the industry and, and in trying to make sure that stuff doesn't get passed that really is adversarial to what we do. Uh, it doesn't get in the way. Like It's about reducing the amount of red tape and roadblocks and hurdles. Get them out of the way. So that's always been my my motivation with getting involved, whether it was hotels, restaurants, or hospitality as a whole from the state level, is like, let's make things easier for our industry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Thomas Boggs was was a pretty inspirational guy, you know, and yeah. I was he was very helpful in, in get helping me with the business and moving it forward and getting it off the ground. That's amazing because, I mean, in theory, y'all are competitors so how i mean that's the thing about memphis community i always think so neat the restaurant community is all buddies yeah like we're like what does that mean like we're competitors yeah okay we're we're fighting for the same dollars but the reality is is like we we need a stronger restaurant community as a whole Mm -hmm. like we need strong restaurants in this in this city to be well better known like we we want memphis to be known for great food and we got to do that together yep you can't just do it on your own like it just doesn't work but no, that's awesome. Thank you for being on our podcast and sharing with us. Your well, I appreciate it. It's yeah. good to see you guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Restaurant Grind. If you did, please hit that subscribe button and leave us a rating on your podcast player. Doing so helps our stories inspire more people in their restaurant grind journeys. We'll see you next week.